Are you ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Relationships Rule. I'm your host, Janice Porter, and my wonderful special guest today is Dan Goodwin. Welcome to the show, first of all, Dan. Oh, thank you, Janice. Glad to be here. My pleasure. So Dan and I met on LinkedIn, and I love telling people that, of course, because I'm a LinkedIn trainer, and and it works. You meet great people on LinkedIn. You just have to take the time to make those things happen. And we uh, found that we had um, a common connection that actually uh, that had been a previous guest on my podcast, Tracy Brown. And when I listened to Dan on Tracy's podcast, I knew I had to have him on my podcast. So Dan is the founder of CYA Consulting, which I'm going to get you say what that stands for because I love it. (laughs) Yeah. So CYA stands for cover your assets, just in case your listeners had heard it differently in their (laughs) geographic regions, right? (laughs) Yes. And um, I know you come from, like most of us, we've come from a corporate background in one way or another, but now we're in business for ourselves. And you have a, um, you're a keynote speaker, a strategic business consultant and advisor and an investigations specialist. And I want to start there because I want to say, okay, I see what this piece is at the end of your LinkedIn um, uh, headline that says provocateur of pattern interrupt. And that's where I want to start because I love pattern interrupt. And I use that term in um, some of the work that I do. So talk to me about that and, and, and how that, um, how you bring value to the business, the clients that you work with by, with that. Sure. Right, right. So the, just the, just the fact that you stuck on provocateur pattern interrupt is in itself an evidence of pattern interrupt because I can't, uh, I can't begin to tell you how many people say, where did this come from? What does this mean? So, and it came from uh, way, way back when Dan was a young man, it came uh, back when I received my initial investigative training and I went to a school in Chicago called the John Reed school of interview and interrogation skills, which is the same school that the federal and the state County local law enforcement went went to if they had detective inspector investigator in their title uh and it was it was world no it world renowned uh scotland yard australian national police army cid rcmp so that's where we learned and one of the skills that we learned in that class was the skill of pattern interrupt okay and how do you use that as a tool in your toolbox with clients so so back in the day back to the investigations when we would talk to witnesses or we would talk to subjects of investigations and and please keep in mind i was doing this on behalf of a corporation i was not a law enforcement officer so there was no opportunity for good cop bad cop or any of those other psychological tools 
that law enforcement may or may not employ. So we had to be very uh, clever in how we employed our investigative and, and, and interview skills. So the pattern interrupt comes into play when somebody is stuck in their own loop. They've told themselves a lie so much that they now believe it. And we would have to break that pattern and help them uh, get out of the loop so that they could think clearly. And you see this evidenced in today's society for people that may uh, believe their family, friends, uh, church, social media, mainstream media, when, when people don't think for themselves and they automatically accept what's being fed to them, they too get stuck in a loop. We all get stuck in our loops. And the, the skill set is that talking to somebody that can help you do a pattern interrupt and break the loop to allow yourself to have some independent thought and verification. Okay, so going back to when you said, okay, you're interviewing these people um, for some some wrongdoing in the corporation or with the corporation that you're with and you're the you're doing the investigation um if do you assume their guilt because you say when people get into you know that loop of um saying the same lie over and over again so do you think that they're guilty to begin with because you're trying to break the pattern of that lie? Do you see what I'm asking? I'm not sure if I'm being clear. Yeah, there's there's no assumption of guilt. Okay. So the the workflow on an internal investigation is 90% of the data is reviewed before I would ever leave my desk. And the 10% is the variable information. And a lot of it is the motivation from what happened. We know what happened. We probably have a really good feel for how it happened. I mean, the logistics or the process. We're looking for the why. We're looking for the motive. And it is very difficult when people are under internal stress, cognitive dissonance, when their actions don't meet their values, their stated values, it's very difficult for those people to admit to themselves, much less admit to two guys in suits in a conference room, that they screwed up, that they made a mistake, that they used bad judgment. So there's never an assumption. Okay. There always is data and research before we would even reach out and talk to somebody. Okay, that makes sense. And and I can tell just from the way you explained that, how um how very organized and um task oriented that sounded to me. You know, like it's very much it's right, it's cut and dried because it's fact, it's data that you are determining and, and dealing with. And that for someone like me, who's like all emotional and wears my heart on my sleeve. And um, that would be difficult, I think. I would be reading things, but I'm guessing you would be reading things in as well. It's just that you have that that skill or those skills around investigating. And that's very a very specific uh, skill set. It, it is. And when we when we went to school, 
you know, 55 to 60% of communication is nonverbal. So 7% is the words, 30 to 35% is the tone. And, you know, 55 to 60% is nonverbal. So, yes, I'm looking at nonverbal behavior to, to determine, am I getting truthful or deceptive behavior? And you set that up uh, by asking autonomic or automatic response questions when you first meet the person to get a baseline for where behaviors may indicate stress. And so in the investigations world, and you'll see, listen, this is not how it goes down on TV. <laughs> it's, it's, but it, it's uh, to ask stress-inducing questions. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, back. You get, and, yeah. you get some of it from TV on some of the better shows. Like there was, there was a show on Netflix or one of those called, was it called The Manhunter? It was about the beginnings of the the type of approach that um, the profiling, um, criminal profiling. It's when that began in the FBI in the states, and it shows this young guy who's a new FBI agent and his older partner who's been through the ropes and is jaded, and they go to um, uh, to invest or to study the criminals that are the the um uh <clears throat> multi-criminals what do you call them the serial killers that serial, are serial killers yeah yeah and try to get an idea of you know how this new process works is how to to investigate them differently and it's it's really interesting to see how they do it. and i don't know how much of that is real but you would know and i'm sure that if you saw it very <laughs> well it was an interesting yeah the profiling piece of it is, uh, you know, several years ago during the Gulf War, you know, there was a lot of uh, civil rights groups saying, well, you can't profile, you know, people from the Mideast. You can't profile anybody of color. You can't. But the fact is, we, we profile every day. We profile in every meeting we have on LinkedIn, every meeting we have on Zoom. And we are making, uh, I'll use the lighter word, we're making assessments of people, right? We're judging people. Just to admit you're judging people, right? We're making assessments of do we know, like, and trust this person? Do we want to do business with them? Will we refer or endorse them, right? So, I, I listen, I enjoy the cop shows. I really do because... Uh, you know, I see myself in some aspects and I was not, a, I'm not, I wasn't a law enforcement officer. I was, uh, but I, I received some of the same training. So the profiling piece of it, uh, people do it every single day. What makes a great investigator or a great researcher is the ability to take those disparate pieces of scattered information and synthesize a new outcome, a new finding, or a new question. What's the next question going to be? Yeah, so that's something that I read in in the um, information that you sent me that I thought was really interesting. Um, you believe that everyone can improve their skills in research, interviews, and better business decisions by preparing and being armed with a structured method to obtain information. 
This information, along with other observations, allows the business owner or department manager to make better decisions. But here comes the good piece. Language and the proper use and interpretation are very important skills for all of us to have today, along with critical thinking skills, clear communication is a requirement to have a lasting impact for the good of those you serve. So that to me was like, wow. So um, we need to be really good listeners. We need to be um, able to ask the right kinds of questions. And we need to take the information and be critical of it so that we can um, um, think differently about different things or about something we've we've um, uncovered or learned from that person and to then shift our thinking with something. I don't know that that's to me <laughs> and clear communication. Yeah. I don't always do. So um, I'm a talker, <laughs> but I don't always, I'm not always clear because I'm, not, I'm thinking fast. You know how you speak faster than you, you think faster than you speak. I think it is like you can you speak at like what 125 150 words a minute and you think at about 400 words a minute if you're if you're that kind of person like me correct. <laughs> I'm always wrong. correct yeah. well you, you said some really really good things there in that the 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 thinking part the critical we need to think about thinking and that's tough for people because most people are walking around in trance. And what I mean by that is they're doing, by the time you're 35, 90% of your imprinting and programming is done. So you do things automatically by habit. Uh, I've been reading the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Love him. And he talks about how we can, yeah, how we can rewire our brain, right? So it, as we get older, we tend to do that less and less. When we're a kid, we're always asking questions, right? <laughs> to, to, the, to the aggravation of our parents sometimes. Uh, but the, the thing is about thinking about thinking, about critical thinking, is what I'm excited about, uh, Janice, is that the last two and a half, three years have really knocked some people out of their trance where they're starting to ask great questions. Yeah, they've had to think things differently, think of things differently, and they have had to think of different ways of doing things. That's that's absolutely true. Do you think that that poses another question for me, because I'm a curious person by nature, but it's like, what percentage of the world, like business-wise, you think will fall back to their old ways. I don't know that we can ever go back now from this two to three years of madness that we've been in. I think that it's changed everything. I sure hope not. You hope yeah, that I, we I sure hope not. That, that we don't fall back into trance. I think we need to keep pushing. I think there is, uh, not to get too philosophical, but I think there there's a there is an awakening and it's just not in Canada or the US it's worldwide uh, I was on the on a call at a zoom call this morning with the Philippines and um, the gentleman I was talking to originally from the UK uh, he's he's tracking everything nothing gets past him he's looking at the news stories and here's here's what's interesting to me that all of the uh, evidence that has 
come out just in the past four or five months supports some of the things that were being said in the first four or five months. And yet people are still doubling down on what they initially believed. And I'm looking at them going, okay, you're just choosing to stay there because here's what I know. Here's what I know, Janice. People ask questions for one of two reasons. One is to affirm a deeply held belief or position like and then any of your, your listeners can't see this, but this shirt makes me look great, doesn't it, Janice? So I'm, you know, I'm I'm looking for affirmation, right? I'm looking for I'm looking for the compliment. But the second reason is people are eternally curious and they're seeking new data points. So that's the reason people then the reason people don't ask questions, don't ask questions is the opposite. They don't want new data points because then they have to they have to consider then process the information and then either take action or ignore what they've just been told. Because if they if they take action on something and they go back and share that with their group, their friends, family, church, social club, whatever, they may get ostracized for how dare they, how dare they break the group think. Yes, exactly. And all of a sudden they find themselves. So it's easier to ignore it and live in your bubble than it is to acknowledge that there may be a different outcome. Anyway, thanks for letting me get that sermon in here today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, okay, so let's just bring it now to the work that you do in the sense that, you know, you use your inter, inter interrogation and interview techniques um to help uh your clients to examine um you know, all the available information for whatever project they're, they're doing or how they want to grow their business, or if you want to, um, you know, scale it up or whatever to make the best decisions. So um, are you teaching them those skills or are you just using your wisdom around those skills to help them make those decisions. So are you teaching them to be better with those skills or just using the skills that you have, the skill set you have to come at the business's problems? Uh, yes and yes, and here's why. Yes, I'm using my skills to wake them up. Yes. And I, there, there are strategies depending on where they're at, you know, depending on where they're at in their business. Um, and yes, I'm teaching them to ask themselves these questions because <laughs> there's two two pieces to my business. There's assessment and transformation. And assessment is 30 to 60, maybe 90 day process. And they're, you know, it's fee based, right? And then I've had I've had people say, why don't you just come to work for us? Right? Why don't you just and I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm unemployable because I don't want to stick in a cube for the next you know, 20 years. Uh, so what I have done on the transformation piece, though, is to help them help tr- help them train an employee to do what should have already been Im- implemented or in process. So I will help and stick stick around and help people. But it, it, it really is to help them think differently and approach it differently. And I, listen, I still get calls. I mean, I mean, I, I still get, I, I still get reachbacks, right? Because they're saying, um, I can't remember what you said. Here's the situation. And those calls, I'm, I'm just going to say, hey, ask these two or three questions to yeah. keep moving forward. Okay, cool. So, 
I'm all about building relationships and teaching people. When I, I just did a session, a LinkedIn training session this morning for a group of um, mortgage brokers. And um, my whole philosophy around using LinkedIn is around using it as a um, relationship starter, as build, as a networking tool, as a way, but a strategically do it properly. Don't just say yes to everybody and that kind of thing. But just like you would if you were going to an in-person networking event, um, uh, how would you do that? But then a lot of people do that not correctly either. So in my opinion, so, <laughs> so I'm teaching them about my methods around um, relationship building through messaging. I say, I really believe that the the, the money is in the mailbox, right? It's not on the content piece, but it may start there and, and then get to the mailbox as well, for sure. But um, when you're starting or starting to build rapport with people, and this is not being an investigator, but in a way it is. So I want to ask you from this perspective, you know, what would be the first few questions you might ask somebody that you don't know that you're networking? Would it be different to anybody else that's, that's doing it because of your background? Do you have like a favorite uh, question that really gets somebody talking or or is it just you take it intuitively from the moment like I do? Yeah, probably probably intuition drives it. And it depends on if there's an introduction, if it's warm, you know, obviously referrals get our attention because somebody took the time. They valued our time and the other person's time to make the introduction. If I'm walking into um, a meeting, a networking meeting where I may know a few people, but I don't know a lot of the a lot of the players in the room, um, I probably will have three, four, or five minutes maybe of observation mm -hmm. and see who's who's rotating. You know, who's who's got this, who's has the center of attention with this group of three or four. Obviously, if I know somebody, I'm going to go uh, say, you know. Hello, Janice. Good to see you again. And I always work from like this is from my investigative piece. If I know I'm going to a networking event where I don't know a lot of people, I will always reach out to find out if there's a guest list or if there's an event list. Mm -hmm. And I'll do recon before I leave the house. <laughs> I will. Because my goal, if I'm walking into a networking group of 20 people, uh, I expect to have one or two great conversations mm -hmm. and I like to make sure that I target and, you know, make it an intention mm -hmm. to talk to Sally or Sue or Tom or Harry, you know, that I'm going to make sure. And if I know any of the people on a surface level, if I see them there, I say, Hey, do you, do you know, do you know Janice? I'd love to meet her. How well do you know her? What does she do? You know? Uh, so I'm, I'm always playing, I'm always playing the whodunit game, right? Who, who can get me to the person that I think I can help that I find interesting that there may be an opportunity to engage, refer or collaborate. Right. Perfect. So, you know, it's funny, we talked before we went on air about um, uh, a mutual uh, connection, um, Frank, and Frank is a networker and has a huge network. And when I was on his podcast, we talked about that very thing. And I told him that whenever I used to go, I say used to, because I stay on LinkedIn now, I don't go out very much anymore. 
another story. But anyway, um, I just find it easier to network more more strategically. But when I went to networking events, I always did my homework too. And you're, you're spot on. But I used to always talk to the person that was doing the registration at the front desk, because they do that for a reason. So they also want to be a networker. And I find out from them if I don't already know who's the host, because I want to talk to that person. The speaker, if there's a speaker, I want to talk to that person. And usually from the, the person that's um, on the uh, registration, I might ask, who's your hub? Who's the biggest networker in the room? Because I want to talk to them too. So I, and then I always like to try to talk to a, a somebody brand new so that I can make them feel comfortable because that's what I like to do as well. I like to be the host as well. But, you know, so you do have to have intention when you're networking in person. Online, I think you have to, on LinkedIn in particular, you have to have intention as well. But so do you have any different or specific kinds of questions that you might ask somebody once you've seen their profile and you might want to reach out? Is it different or is it the same? Um, you, you know, I'm my intermediate, my, my, my go-to strategy over the last two years before everything started to lighten up just a little bit was I treated every Zoom chat tool as my own personal cultivator in CRM. And there were people in some networking groups that I belonged to that thought uh, I was a part of the staff <laughs> because I would greet everybody. I would click on everybody's name and hit yeah. the chat function. Hey, oh, good yeah. to see you, Janice. Yeah. Hey, good to see you, Frank. Yeah. You know, how's... Is the dog feeling better? Is the wife feeling better? You know, and so, and I would have people and that's appreciated. And I tell people, you want to leverage your Zoom meetings. You want to stay engaged, start receiving private chats. Now, obviously be smart about it. Don't, don't do it while the speakers, you know, everybody's doing introductions. Fine. If, if, uh, if, if somebody's doing a presentation, don't distract from that presentation. Right. There are ways to leverage that. So, so when I want to meet somebody and I say hi, they say, "Oh, you know, it's such a anomaly for them." Oh, I'd love, I'd love to to find out what you do sometime. Okay, then I drop my calendar link in the chat. Yeah, that's yeah. how you do it. I mean, that's how you get the one one set up. Okay, so I think maybe I wasn't clear, but that because what I'm asking you. Is do you do any outreach on LinkedIn? And if you do that outreach on LinkedIn to find people, what do you say? Is it different from what I might say? Do you have a set kind of investigative slant to it? Um, yeah. There's, there's really no investigative questions up front. Okay. I will take the information from people, though, out of Zoom meetings, and I will go to LinkedIn. I will look at their profile if they have, a, if I have an interest in what they do, or I think I can be of interest to them, yeah. I will say, "Hey, Janice, great meeting you on XYZ's meeting today. I would love to know more about you, your superpower, and who and how you serve the world." Perfect. Okay. Great. And then I just let it go, because what you want from those messages is you want people to lean in and say, "Tell me more." Tell me more. I've given them a compliment. I've identified where we met. Yeah. 
and I've told them I value you and I want to know more about you, your superpower, who and how you serve. Mm -hmm. Now, some people don't respond for a week. Yeah. The reason I put I'm glad I you at xyz meeting is for me to yeah. remember yeah. <laughs> where i met those people and when they say hey thanks for reaching out thanks for connecting they'll reciprocate and they'll say i'd love to know more about you so oh those then then the next message is and then yes there is a format to how i used what i call my go to get to know you meetings yeah. There is a format that I follow, but it's very intuitive, Janice, going back to what you asked about five minutes ago. It's intuitive because I am assessing, there's my air quotes, assessing, you know, is this person someone that I can help? Or are they a, yeah, are they a taker? If they're just a taker, we're probably not a fit to work together. Yeah, and, and that's evident pretty quickly most of the time, right? Yeah, for yes. sure. So, um, I, I I was thinking, do I ask you this or don't I ask you this? But I kind of want to ask you, and it may put you on the spot, but I know you have lots of stories. Do you have um, a story around um, where having your, your being the investigator and the interviewer that you are that either solved something major or broke through something that you, you know, you, you got the guy or you got the woman or you made the deal or whatever, based on your, your specialty investigating. And it, I know you've done research and whatever first, of course, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do have some stories. I'm just, I'm, I'm filtering what I can tell. So at one, point janice you know you know i had a top secret clearance and i you know i did wiretaps covert cameras all that james bond stuff uh, three three major events that happened in my corporate career uh was oklahoma city bombing 9-11 oh. hurricane katrina uh and yeah there was there was some celebrations of we've got you we've solved this we've put the bad guy away uh the more the ones that are more poignant to me is when I'm sitting across from my very first case. So this goes back, you know, oh my goodness, uh, 25, almost 30 years. My very first case was in a call center and a single mother, woman of color, and she had uh, committed some fraud and uh, had Anyway, I won't go into what the fraud was, but she committed some fraud and it was not a huge amount, mm -hmm. but it was a zero tolerance issue. And when I went back to my hotel that night, um, I mean, she confessed. We, we, had, we had the data. We had the information. We just had to understand why. And she was up against it. She was uh, trying to get some money, trying to get food for her baby. Mm -hmm. And... Um, the call center supervisor was a large woman of color. She was the mom to everybody. If you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. she ran that place with an iron fist and she, but she loved every single one of them. She'd go to the map for him. And after, and I got, I get kind of emotional about this because it, it hurts so bad, but we got in to do our after action review after she signed her statement and they sent her home and 
basically cried together because she said if she'd have just let me know, I would have given her the money, mm. right? So the investigations piece, was that a victory for me? Yes, I did my job. I got the statement, uh, but I didn't walk away feeling like it was a victory with except for the satisfaction that I know I did my job. I didn't choose for her to do that. Uh, and there are consequences, good or bad, agnostic, I mean, good or bad, depending on the, the choices we make. But it was a real eye-opener to the human factor. And I have taken that lesson mm -hmm. when I left corporate and was a hired gun, right? Mm -hmm. I've taken that lesson into my corporate clients, into my consulting clients, and I've been able to incorporate things in the human factor that I was not at liberty to do when I was in the corporate world. So maybe that'll help somebody. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, there's always those kinds of stories. That's true. Um, and, and I was expecting you to say that, you know, you did the, you did your job and, you know, you got your man, so to speak. Um, but I didn't expect that that you would then, and maybe it's because it was within the company that you were doing this investigation, but that you would want to find out why. You know, that to me is like, that's the human factor that uh, you, is sometimes missing in some of the, you know, the TV that you see and the stories that you read about that, because, you know, it's just, well, you know, that's the law, ma'am, you know, give me the facts, ma'am, you know. <laughs> yeah. Friday dragnet, right? Yeah, uh, just yeah. the facts, ma'am. Yeah. There is. Uh, and sometimes the reasonings would, listen, I didn't hire him. I don't fire him. I'm, I'm, I'm like Joe Friday when I was doing investigations. I'm just the facts. It, the management had to make decisions on whether they kept him, whether they got reprimanded, whether they got uh, suspended without pay, with or without pay. I didn't do that. I was simply... To, there to give them an opportunity to get their side of the story on the record, right? I mean, I had people get angry with me because, and and so uh, they would say, I don't have to be here. I'm going to walk out. You know what, Janice? You're absolutely right. You don't have to be here. But one more thing before you go, right? So now I'm doing Columbo, right? <laughs> Peter Falk. One more thing before you go. Yeah. Um, I would I would remind them, hey, listen. I understand. I know you're upset. I know it's disconcerting for us to be here. That's an understatement. And if you walk out and we're not able to get your side of the story in a statement, we have to go with the facts we already have. And I think it's important for you to be able to tell your side of the story, wouldn't you? So now I'm using sales techniques, tie downs, NLP, <laughs> I'm using all the tools in the toolbox to help them try to, to, encourage them to stay and put their side of the story into the record. So, so how do you, um, how do your clients find you? Do they find you or do you go looking for them? Is it mostly referral business that you get? What's your favorite kind of client to work with? Well, yeah. Re referrals are, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, a secret secret agent, whatever. I, you know, I I never took or had to take the time to really do the marketing and the promo stuff. 
they found me because of my skill sets. Uh, because hey, I know a guy, I know a gal, right? Uh, somebody can help you with this. Put the fire out, right? Um, and I've been moving uh, from that one-to-one client mm-hmm. serving into keynote speaking and training of C-suite nice. uh, teams and business owners, and then working that down through their system when they can train their uh, first and second level managers, supervisors, directors, uh, in order to upskill everybody and make that playing field and 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 weed out the people that don't fit anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's that's cool. I like that. Um, I think when you can work from within a company with a company and all the players, you know, have their own roles within it, but it really helps bring the company together. And when everyone's there that sees on, yeah, sees everything on the same, the same wavelength. That's awesome. Okay. So have you written a book about any of, uh, I don't know that you've written a book. Have you? I, I apologize if you haven't. I, Not, I, I haven't written a book about stories. I'm still trying to figure out what the statute of limitations is. Some of the secrets I know I'll never be, I'll take them to the grave, but uh, change the names, protect the, protect the innocent and the guilty. Uh, I did write a book uh, four or five years ago, the 25 things I wish I'd known was for 25. Never published it. It was an exercise that I went through to help me really focus the life lessons that I've learned and what values I had to pass on to others, but uh, no, no book on the market in the present. Maybe you have to bring that book to life because you have children and grandchildren and it might be something to leave them that they'll never know about you until you do that. Cause they would never ask cause you're either dad or grandpa, but it might be an interesting book in that regard book or yeah. Or, you know, or, or I know you're into audio and video. Maybe that's a better way to do it for you. I don't know, but I think there's something there. Definitely. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. You got to remember my kids were young. Uh, when I first received my investigative training, they weren't near as excited about it as I was when they were teenagers. Of course, of course not. <laughs> but now is a different story that they would understand and appreciate some of those stories. So, um, yep. And we talked about this a little bit, but um, curiosity is like one of my favorite things and favorite words. And I'm just curious. I always like to ask my my guests toward the end of the show. Um, do you think that curiosity is innate or learned? And what are you most curious about these days? Okay, innate or learned? I I I don't know. I, I think innately when we're kids, we're curious. Yeah, uh, that's been my experience. But I'm speaking from having two of my own and three grandkids. I think there's curiosity in everything. Curiosity, the word itself to me is exciting because it means lifelong learner. I mean, I, I associate if you're curious, you're a lifelong learner. When you stop being curious, then you are on autopilot. You're in you're in trance. Right. That that's going. That's one. Now, the second part of your question is what am I curious about? Uh, the last few years, um, I have been very curious about the role of vibra- vibration and frequency uh, in life. So not to get way esoteric or spiritual, but my I, I had an, I had a near death 
experience in 14, 2014. Mm-hmm. And fundamentally, that trauma changed the direction and focus of my life. I am not that same person that I was before then. If, if you don't believe me, you yeah, it was my eye surgery, right? Yeah, we talked about this on our first meeting. That's right. So I have been curious. Um, the vibration piece, you, you've always heard it's this this trite saying, you vibe with your tribe. Yeah. Well, guess what? <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. Because as I have become more self-aware, I have found myself reaching out and connecting with people who are also self-aware. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I remain curious about every day. That's great. That's Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. So just before we end, one last question for you. Best business tip to share with my audience of business owners and entrepreneurs and sales professionals, network marketers. We're not corporate, corporate usually. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't yes. matter. My, my tips for all humanity. My tips for all humanity. And it's simply this. Yeah. Practice grace, mercy, and love whenever possible. I did see that on your And own. if you let that, yeah, yeah. And if you if you let that gauge your reactions and your responses and your advice and your interactions and your transactions, if you keep that in front of you then your life's going to be better because even if the other person doesn't appreciate it, you'll know that the motive from where you came from, your motive is as pure as you can make it in the moment. Fantastic. Practice mercy, grace, mercy, and love, right? Whenever possible. Whenever possible. I can't it. Whenever possible. Sometimes... It's not possible. <laughs> You're not allowed to. Well, it's a great, so. great place to wrap. And I thank you for your wisdom and for your time. And uh, where can people find you? I think I have, I've got your LinkedIn. I've got your uh, your email address and your mobile phone. All good? I will put. That's all good. Yeah. Dan, Dan Goodwin, CYA Consulting on LinkedIn. Uh, again, not a secret agent. Anybody can find me there. Uh, love to connect. And if somebody does, one of your listeners do connect again, say, hey, I heard you on Janice's podcast. That way I'll have a, po- a, a point of reference, at least. Uh, I get a lot of requests every week and I'm I'm always sorting out, oh, where did I meet this person or how did they find me, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, that's good. It's a good problem to have. So it's all good. Thank you so much. Thank you again. And thank you to my audience again for being here and listening. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and remember to subscribe and also remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. 
Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.